0: Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast, and this week we have my friend Denai Bearhaw joining us. Denai is a strategic brand and web designer for female creative entrepreneurs who are on a mission to build communities, impact, and profit in their businesses. She combines the art of branding and the science of marketing to craft intentional designs that convert. Passionate about using entrepreneurship as a way to be the change, she is usually working on ways to create a table where all feel welcomed and heard. Guys, I loved my conversation with the night today. I know you will as well because we talked about those things that make us different, that set us apart. You know what I'm talking about. There's often a mold that is the standard for the industry you're in, and you look ahead and you see the one route to success, and if you're any different, You feel bad, and I spent all of 2018 feeling different in a bad way. And then I made a shift in my mindset. I learned to take those things that set me apart and make me different, and embrace them. And I think that's what tonight's core message is. She helps you capture your essence and stand out with those things that are unique about you. And she learned that through her own story after her parents immigrated from East Africa to the United States. So I think you're going to love this episode. I thought it was such a gift to have this conversation, especially as I make my way into 2019, and I think you'll find it to be a gift too. As always, if you love this episode, please screenshot it, share it in your Instagram stories, and tag Denai and myself. We love to hear what parts of the episode you found inspiring and impactful, and of course it helps spread the word to your friends as well. Without further ado, guys, let's get to it. Hey tonight! Hi Kelsey. I am so excited to have you on. We've had this on the books for a while and I just can't wait to to introduce you to the Radiant Tribe and to hear your story and to hear a little bit more about you. Could you kind of dive in, tell us who you are, what you do, your story, all the things. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about this. I've
1: been waiting for this for like months. So... <laughs> So I'm tonight and I'm a conversion brand and web designer for creative entrepreneurs. I usually work with female entrepreneurs just because that just makes my heart sing. And I started my business about a year and a half ago, which is so crazy to think about because in entrepreneur land, it just feels like I've been at this for like 10 years. And I'm like, no, it's only been a year and a half. <laughs> um, and I'm sure other people can relate. The time just feels like so long. But I wasn't always on the path to entrepreneurship even though I did start my first business when I was in the sixth grade selling uh, custom-made bookmarks which is like so funny to me to think about and I was on my way to medical school just kind of working away at that goal and the more I talked to other doctors. I I worked in a hospital and um, just seeing what their lifestyle was like, I realized that that wasn't really what I wanted for my life. And it just felt like too rushed and too busy. And it wasn't something where I'd be able to help people um, in the big ways that I wanted to, even though that seems crazy because you're like a doctor. Yeah, they're helping people all the time. But a lot of it was paperwork and just being there all the time and not having time for their family or their friends or just a life outside of that. And so I kind of had to reevaluate, which was so, so scary for me. I'm a planner and I like to schedule and make sure that I have like a five year or a 10 year plan. And it was the first time that I had to stop and think about, wait, this is not what I want. This is not the plan that I want to keep going with. And really, that was God being like, listen, you're not in charge, (laughs) take a step back. And uh, let's, let's reevaluate all of this, which was so scary for me. And for a while, I was like, confused about what I was going to do. And just feeling all of those feelings when things kind of get um, turned upside down. And as I was talking with friends, family, and my fiance, um, my fiance was like, well, you've always said you wanted to work for yourself at some point, why don't you just do that now? And that was the craziest thing to me because I was like, wait, I have to get a job first and like do all of this stuff before I can even go and do this. I'm not ready for that. And the more I prayed about it and thought about it, it just was something that sparked so much joy for me. Just thinking about those possibilities and doing what I do now I actually had so many years of experience doing that, just some side jobs that I had had and working my way up through certain um, really large companies and working on their marketing and their design and all of those things. And I didn't even realize that those were things that people would pay me to do when someone was like, yeah, you can charge people to do that. And I was like, what? (laughs) It's like, this is the wildest thing. And so I jumped in to my business last year in July of 2017 and it's been a very crazy ride but it has taught me so much about having a plan but also being open to just seeing where God takes me and what I'm where I'm going and just being open to all of those things and it really broke down <laughs> that I literally have no absolutely no control over the planning of my life. And, um, and I think that has just been one of the most freeing things. I'm not like tied anymore to like this very detailed plan that I have for myself. It's all something that God is working out. And as I continue to grow and build my business, and I'm not saying plans are bad because I love them. I use a planner I love planners, (laughs) but just knowing that all of those possibilities are open, it's just been such an incredible journey um, as I work through
0: that. So yeah, that's... (laughs) that's a long version. (laughs) Well, seriously, I love that. And I have so many questions. So, you know, kind of one thing you mentioned that I love to talk about people with is often what comes very naturally to you that you've kind of been doing. And like you said, I didn't realize people would pay me for this. Have you seen that those are often the very things you're meant to carry into the world, what you've been kind of doing out of overflow, and then realize, oh, this is a way I've been helping people out of overflow, or what I've already been doing in my career. And it might be just the the next stepping stone for what I'm supposed to move into, I, I find that every new thing I launch is usually something I've already been doing. I just didn't think that it was more, you know, something I was going to focus on, you know, as a career endeavor. Do you find that to be the case? Yes. Oh my goodness.
1: Yes. And just thinking, um, you know, when you sit back and you look at, well, how did I end up here? Like, how did I get over here? And when people ask you those things, you kind of see. All of the times that you had been doing all of these things and how they slowly manifest into what I'm, what you're doing now. And that's exactly what I find As all of, I started a business in the sixth grade that was really, that actually was really successful and, um, always just having that interest and, um, working in jobs that allowed me to do marketing and branding. And those were just things that I thought were, oh, I really enjoy this and this is kind of fun for me. So I'm just going to do them. And I never thought that, hey, like, this is something that you can do as a living and be joyful about every day. And so, yeah, I find that that's usually the case. And even things that my clients have asked me to do in my business or um, ways that I've kind of expanded and grown and shifted my offerings, I found that a lot of times it's things that I just did for clients just being like, oh, hey, I'll just, yeah, I'll do that. Or yeah, I can offer this to you or whatever. And I find that, oh, they actually want this. And that was not even something I was charging them for or thinking to charge them for. But then they ask for those things that like you said, those things that you do in overflow kind of turn into those services, those
0: offerings and things that people are more than happy to pay you for. So what do you think that says about nat- like naturally and organically moving forward versus like forcing a new service out of you? For instance, during a season of fear, for me, I thought, oh, I should launch these things because I'll make money. But I found that those things never pan out and the things that happen organically and naturally end up being the most life-giving and profitable parts of my business. Do you- what do you think about that?
1: Yes. I, I love that you said that because what I'm finding more and more as I immerse myself in the branding and marketing world and helping my clients in those ways is that a lot of just what um, life is like in general, just how we move through the world and how we operate as human beings and the things that we're drawn to and excited about are exactly the sort of things that help push our business forward. And I think we've gotten so, like I said, we love planning and we love organizing and mapping everything out. And not to say that those things are bad, but sometimes we lose sight of what those just natural things and tendencies are for ourselves and the people that we want to serve. And we lose sight of that in thinking like, oh, we have to be doing this or it has to look like this. And instead we just leaning into those things that really bring us joy and excite us and get us moving and just feel natural for us to offer or do and aren't a ton of work or feel stressful or just like out of the things that we wouldn't want to be doing anyways. Those are the things that are most profitable for I found for myself for my clients, for people that I talk to. Um, And that's so funny that you say that because it's so true. I find that to be very true for my business too. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and I find it time and time again. And I think we're all prone to like, you know, have a scary season and be like, oh, I need to launch all these things. I can charge for this. I get, you know, and it's just not, I found that Mm -hmm. operating from a place of peace and only launching from a place of, this is life-giving. I know I can, truly deliver excellent service through this and it would be Mm -hmm. peaceful to release into the world. Those are the things that perform the best. How do you decide, you know, what, what is peaceful and life giving for you and what's not?
1: Oh, I love that question. Um, so in my first year, I, and especially those first six to like nine months of my business, I operated from that place. Um, And from that place of fear and feeling like I have to do these things, or um, I have to be doing this, that, and the third. And even though I was getting clients and things were going really well, I still felt that pressure and that fear to kind of follow all of those formulas and things like that. And what I found was that I was more stressed. I had a full client roster, but I was so unfulfilled and so stressed about my business and finding myself, you know, having moments where I was crying during the week because I was just so stressed out. And I had to reevaluate probably at the end of last summer, I sat down and I was like, okay, so you started a business thinking that you could do things that you love. And why is it that you feel this way? Why do you feel so stressed? Why do you feel resentful? Um, for the, Offerings that you're putting out there uh, to your clients sometimes, or even uh, to the commitments that I made. And I realized it was because I was operating from that place of fear of just feeling like I had to do all of these things. And so I really reevaluated all of my offerings and the things that I was doing and the things I was saying yes to. And now I am um, the how I decide for me personally. Is that I stand, I have to stand behind what I'm doing a thousand percent, and I won't feel stressed out or I'm angry at myself for taking on this new project or deciding to offer something that I'm not as thrilled about and just feeling like I should be doing it. And so every time I have an idea, I write it down and I kind of wait for 24 hours and just let it sit in my brain (laughs) sometimes uh, a little bit longer if it's like a big thing that I want to launch or do and I think about why I'm doing it and is it because I'm fearful and I keep asking myself like okay why well why do you want to do this and what's the reason and I keep digging until I find out what the core motivation is for me and if it's from that place of fear or feeling like I have to take on this person because I'm afraid that the next client won't come through or I have to offer this because everybody else is doing that. And um, I'm or I'm in a tough season or whatever the case may be. I choose not to do it. And that's the most scariest thing to do in the world um, is you're like, oh, my goodness, everything's going to fall apart because your brain goes there. (laughs) And you're like, this is the end. But um, I had to do that. And now, looking at the offerings that I have and the things that I'm saying yes to and even saying no to people who are inquiring for things that I'm like, nope, that does not bring me joy. And I'm not going to be happy to say yes to that um, has been scary, but so liberating. And I just feel so joyful looking at my services page and being like, yes, like this is exactly what I want to be doing. If someone asked me to do this tomorrow, I'd be so happy to do it. So, yeah, that's kind of the what I've been doing and how I've kind of just been auditing myself instead of just quickly jumping in and starting to like get all the things together to do this thing that does not bring me any sort of joy or fulfillment and just makes me more stressed and fearful.
0: I love everything you had to say there. So something I noticed you say is that when you got to a place where you could turn down clients, and I, man, I know that feeling where it's like, oh, I finally gotten to a place where this project is so soul-sucking that I don't have to accept it anymore. But I'm also very aware that, that that sounds like a privileged position for both of us to have to someone who's just starting out. So can you tell us the journey it takes to getting there? Because I think in the beginning, hustle's necessary and we gotta be scrappy and we have to take those projects we don't always want. But how does it evolve? And what would your like suggestions be to someone who's kind of in the trenches or even just getting started out of like, how do I get to a place where I have the opportunity to turn down work?
1: Yes. Okay. I love that question. And because that was so recent for me, (laughs) I am so excited to answer that. So for, I, like you said, I also believe that in the beginning, you kind of have to get in there, do the work, do things that maybe, you know, in the future, you probably won't want to do just to see what it's like and to learn, because there have been in that process of me doing all of the things and offering things outside of the scope of what I was doing or offering just like random side projects for people who are inquiring. um, I learned what it was that I was really, really, really good at and where I could get my clients real results and also just the things that I was really enjoying doing. And so in that process, you learn so much that I would never tell anyone to kind of like skip or gloss over that. There are seasons where that's necessary so that you can kind of transition into this. But I think that the time when you want to start like scaling back and saying like, okay, maybe these aren't the things that I wanna be doing anymore, has nothing to do with how many clients you have or how much money you're making. For me, it was the moment that I started to feel um, resentful about projects that I was taking on the moment I started to dread doing work that I know that I enjoy and love doing. And whenever I procrastinated, that was like a huge moment for me to notice like, okay, it's time. And I wasn't even ready or in a position where I could, I was like, wait, that's really insane that you're saying no to this person. And, but I knew that I, that was like, I had to start doing that. And when I started doing that, I actually saw more and more clients that I really, really loved and started to fill up my roster with people that, um, I was really enjoying working with and, um working with them longer term. And that was just so exciting for me. But I think that moment that you hit, because in the beginning, I didn't feel that resentment. I was like, yes, I'm going to take all the projects, I'm going to do it all. And we're just gonna (laughs) like, (laughs) I have to figure out how to make this work. And so in the beginning, I didn't feel that. But there came a point when I started to feel that procrastination, that resentment towards the people, like towards projects, not even the people, but like the projects that I was working on and just feeling dread when I thought about like, oh, I have to do this project right now. That was the moment that I was like, that's not good. Like I should not feel that way. And that's when I knew I had to start whenever. And that's when I cut out a bunch of services. And when people started inquiring, I started saying no to those. And like I said, so, so scary. And, um, I probably could have kept taking on those clients for like a few months after that to, and been like, okay, yeah, this is good. We need this. But I, um, I, at that's when I decided not to do that. So I hope that gives someone some support and help and thinking through that and knowing that those, cause you don't grow in those seasons when you're just feeling like you're moving through mud as you are working in your business like you can't grow in that because then you feel you lose all motivation to do anything else because you're just so tired of like the things that you're working on or the things that you're putting out there and when you get to that point you need to just kind of focus on what works for you and what you find joy doing for other people
0: I 100% agree. And I'll say that, you know, I kind of took a type of service off my roster in the spring of 2018 that I had stretched far too long that I hated doing. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was scary because you're eliminating that stream of income. And so you're like, there the fears creep in of, you know, is yeah. this, do I need to keep this? Like, what if things happen and this is a good opportunity to make money? But man, I had to trust that when I released that, I would be making room for something better. And that's exactly what happened. I made room for, you know, a new expression of how I could serve people that was better, more life giving, more profitable, all the things. Yes, I love that. Yeah. So, so, one thing I loved in your bio is that there's magic and success in the outliers. It's the things that make us stand out from the crowd. I can imagine that you that that probably that statement probably comes from life experience. I think that's a really impactful statement. I think it's very true, but I also think that's one of those things that you learn through life experience. So how how is that true for you? Because it, I, I know you say for a long time you resisted that about yourself. How were you the outlier how do you help clients really pull on those outliers so that they can stand out i would love to hear that because i think that's a, a different conversation than we've had on the radiant podcast and really unique and cool
1: yeah, so I um, we were talking earlier before the podcast started that my family immigrated to the US um, when I was five years old. And I very I came from a country where everybody looked like me and had names that sounded similar to mine. And I came here and it was a huge culture shock and I realized, oh, like not everywhere in the world is the same. <laughs> and I was different um, in this new place and this new home. And, um, it was, you're very, you learn very early on in life to kind of fit in with the crowd, don't make too many waves, like just fall in line and do what you're supposed to do. And so for a long time, I worked to maintain that because I saw that as like, okay, that's what everybody else is doing. That's how you make friends. And, um, especially not knowing English when we moved here. It was hard to like make friends in school and have people who like would make fun of you. And that's just how like children are sometimes. And so it was, and I quickly learned like, okay, well you kind of have to fit in to, to make friends or to not stand out because standing out meant that people noticed you were different and, um, made negative remarks or things like that. And so you learn, Hey, I don't. I don't like those negative remarks. I'm just going to fit in. As I've progressed through life, I've kind of had to learn that the things that make you different are the things that actually um, help you build and grow a business and just live your most authentic and joyful life. And I early on, I knew that I loved both science and art and. Along the way, I learned that you can only pick one, that you can't be good at both of them, or that you can't um, be artistic and be analytical at the same time. And so I kind of told myself for a really long time that I wasn't creative, even though I spent most of my childhood illustrating, creating my own fonts, um, doing all of the things that I do now, which is so funny. But I told myself that I was a scientist and all of those things. And I allowed the the world and what everybody else thought to kind of dictate how I lived out my life. And it wasn't in the outliers. I was like right in the middle of this bell curve of normal. And as I started my business, I did the same kind of thing. I tried to I looked around. And I was like, Oh, okay, so this is how things are done. That's how I'm going to do them. And I struggled. I was like, this is not working. Why is this working for other people? And it's not working for me. And it was just this light bulb moment, where I like, I just—it was like a moment where I felt like, "Wait, you're just like everybody else," and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> I'm gonna have to sit with that for a minute. And in the mo- in that moment, I realized that okay. You have to own the thing that makes you different. And for me, that was my unique experience of having both a very analytical background as well as a very creative background. And I saw the world differently than most of the people I was working with and the clients I was working with. And I just had this different life experience that allowed me to do what I do and do it really well. And I was so scared to kind of lean into that because I was like, okay, that's really different. And people might and then you have all those fears that are like, people might not understand, people might not get what this is, people will think that you're weird, or that you don't know what you're talking about, or that you're not good at this. And so for a while, I let those fears kind of not help me move forward. And I just kind of sat with that. And then there came a point where I was like, okay, you're telling your clients to showcase what makes them unique. And you're telling your clients to step into those things. And why aren't you doing that? And so The minute I shifted that messaging and I just kind of owned what it was that made me different and unique, being an outlier, I saw insane results because people kind of gravitated towards that. They were like, oh, that's different, that's interesting. And that's a different perspective than one we're used to. And when we step into those places in our life where we feel like we're a little weird, where we don't fit in, where it's out of the norm, that's exactly the spaces where we have the most impact because that's our space in the market. That's ours to uh, step into and lean into. And that just makes me so excited because it means that although a lot of us probably work with the same type of clients or we're all in the same similar industries or we, or some people might do the same sort of things, stepping into those things that are just yours that you might've felt like, oh, I need to hide this from other people because it's not like in the norm and it's kind of like outside of what everybody else is doing when you do that, that is where you find the unique group of people that are your share of the market. And uh, that just gets me so excited. I get so jazzed <laughs> when I think about that. And um, yeah, so I, I, I love when people own that and step into that and decide that I'm going to go after this. And when my clients do that, when I do that, um, that's when we see those insane results where we're like, oh, this business thing
0: actually works. <laughs> Man, I, girl, you could preach on that because that, Has been so true for my journey. I've found that to be true time and time and time again. Um, And it's really scary to step out and decide to be different because you do see people respond to a certain brand of whatever, you know, the best of the best in your industry. Every industry has a model, everyone has someone at the top who's kind of modeling what to do next. Um, And then, you know, you end up with these. Uh, many me's of the same person all throughout your industry. And then you show up and you're a little different and it's so scary to decide I'm going to be authentic in me. It is so terrifying, but it pays off. And I, I mean, I just think your message about really leaning in um, to those, those things that set you apart is so true because I've had this conversation a lot where content is king You know, and that's been the case for a long time in our industry, especially in the online space. But I think we're oversaturated with content. There's, you know, nothing new under the sun. And so it's Mm -hmm. our essence. It's who we are that sets us apart. Yeah. So one thing that I love to talk about with my analytical creatives is how you marry those two worlds because um, for those listening y'all can reference back to Morgan Harper Nichols interview. She's an Enneagram five. So she's a very analytical poet. And I love, I would love to hear from you tonight, how you show up both analytically and creatively in your field. Because I think sometimes people look ahead and only think of creatives as bleeding hearts. But I think there's a gift you bring to the table with your strategic thinking of using both your left and right brain. So I would love to kind of hear about that and how you marry those. Okay, perfect.
1: I love that. Um, So for me, I have a hard time kind of um, separating the two. Uh, It's only when people ask me that question that I kind of think back and I'm like, okay, wait, how how am I doing that? For me, um, I... Think of both as not the end all be all, which sometimes we kind of find in our world, especially in the world we live in today. There's always like, it's either this or that, or it's you either do that or don't do that. And for me, I kind of live in this like middle space where it's not entirely analytical and it's not entirely creative. And where those two kind of connect is kind of that like magical sweet spot for me. So how I like to approach most things is my brain automatically goes to analytical. So when I'm working with a client, I'm first thinking about like all the logistical strategic pieces. And then uh, that creative side of me comes in and I kind of take a step back because what I found is sometimes we we have client I have clients who Their numbers don't look so good on their website in terms of like how many people are visiting, but their business is doing fine, right? And they're making money and paying their bills. And if I was just purely analytical, I would be like, oh my goodness, we need to get these numbers up and we're going to do all of these strategies and things, but not understanding the human aspect and how their business particularly works and all those little nuances of each person's individual personality and business and all of those things and their audience. And so for me, I start with the analytical because it gives me kind of a framework of how I can look at the world and have some measurable things that I can measure myself and the work we do together against. But then I move into that creative sphere where I start to kind of take a look at what it is that makes them different and unique and why certain things aren't Looking the way that like the industry says it should look, or the standard numbers say it should look, like why is it not doing that? And I think that's what I do is I ask why a lot, and I love um, teaching people to do that because when you ask why, you understand things more deeply, and when you understand things more deeply, you're able to have like a more holistic look at something as opposed to just going with what someone tells you. I tell my clients to ask me why when I give them strategies and ideas and I tell them, "Hey, this is probably something really good for you to implement." I challenge them to say why. I don't want them to just take my word for it because in that space of understanding why, they're able to see both the analytical, the creative, why things come together in this like little middle magical space. And so that's really how my creative process works and I try and marry the two in a really cohesive way, but uh, yeah, thinking about that, <laughs> that's kind of how my brain uh, looks at that, that kind of thing.
0: I love that. And I think it's probably very encouraging for some of our listeners who are both creative and analytical as to how they can use those in tandem, not as if they're competing gifts, you know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. or as if they have to choose one over the other. So I actually truly love interviewing super analytical creatives because I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram, um, mm-hmm. but what are you? I love the Enneagram
1: and I am a two with wings one and three to make it
0: complicated. (laughs) You get things done perfectly. You know, I, again, talking to my friend Morgan, you know, I think you would expect a lot of creatives to not have so much of that analytical space built into who they are. But often that's, there's plenty of analytical creatives out there. But we we really focus on like the artists, the fours, you know, that's the model we have with creatives. And so I love making room and space for analytical creatives to share that. So someone who also finds themselves to be quite analytical can say, Oh, I have someone to look up to, I have someone to kind of help me marry these gifts.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I loved learning that about Morgan, too, from your podcast. I was like, what? I didn't realize that. Because to me, like, she's a poet. I was like, oh, she's so great. And I love her stuff. And I was like, oh, my goodness, she is so creative. And then like listening
0: to that, it's like, what? And awesome the gift of choosing to show up with with who you really are and to be willing to be different is that you give someone else the gift of having someone to look up to. Because if you were to go with the traditional route to stay within the mold, to stay whatever's normal or average expected in your industry, you wouldn't be giving someone else the opportunity to have someone to look up to. So I love these conversations with people like you and Morgan, because I think it's a gift to people who are a few steps behind you and need someone to, to model the way for them. Oh, I love that. I hadn't thought about it like that, but I love that. <laughs> so after leaving kind of your day job how have you really made a a home for yourself in this online digital marketing world because I know that people deal with an array of issues like loneliness and all of a sudden working for yourself and working from home or networking and connecting with people finding mentorship you know for me I think one of the biggest gifts is finally finding mentors who are super generous and open-handed but sometimes people can like hold their information and not want to tell you things and so so what have been your biggest challenges? I think we all have different challenges, and how have you kind of worked through them in this online space?
1: So, for me, I am also an ENFJ, <laughs> if people like the Myers briggs And so I'm an extrovert. And so working from my home office is not always my most exciting <laughs> thing to do because I love people. I that was part of my favorite parts of my job um, outside of like just doing. job i was there to do i really loved connecting with people and talking with people and so it was really really hard for me when i went full-time to be at home by myself the first couple of days or even like maybe the first two weeks it was great i was like this is fantastic like, I'm going to get cozy on the couch and do my work. But then that loneliness really crept in. And I was like, Oh, my goodness, this is so hard. And not a lot of people get what you do. And all of your friends who work, you know, regular day jobs are like, "Um, Yeah, we can't hang out noon on Wednesday, I'm at work. (laughs) And so that was so hard for me to figure out what, um, how to kind of be able to satisfy my extroverted side while also just being okay with being at home by myself working in my office. So one of the biggest things I did was join group programs. Um, Like a mastermind was one of the first investments that I made. And that made such a huge difference just having one time a week where I met with people via even video chat, I noticed my energy would spike and it would make me so energized to keep working and doing all the things. And so that was one of the biggest things. Another thing that I do is the days that I feel like, oh, I cannot work for my home office again. I go to a coffee shop, I used to feel like guilty, like, you have this really nice office that you've set up how you like, like, I would feel so guilty about being like, well, I'm going to go work from somewhere else because, you know, my home office isn't enough. But I learned that that was something I needed to do for my own sake, for my own productivity. And so whenever I need that, I'll go there or I'll go to a library. I'll grab my coffee and go to a library. And just being around people and seeing them working (laughs) really motivates me because I'm like, oh, okay, hey, there's people here. (laughs) So those were, that was like one of the biggest things for me. And so doing those two things and just participating in like, networking events that are local, seeking them out, uh, finding local people who are also um, entrepreneurs and work for themselves and making it a point to be like, hey, do you want to meet up once a month for coffee and like work sessions together? That has been so helpful for me. And then shutting down and being around people in the evening and on weekends, making plans with friends just like regularly to go out to eat and things like that have been so huge because then that makes me not feel as isolated cuz I'm like, oh yeah, this weekend I hung out with a bunch of my friends, like I can work and not feel like I'm in a bubble. So that was one of the biggest things. Another thing was just like you said, finding mentors and people who were generous with their knowledge and just being helpful. I am not the type of person to expect anything from anyone like feeling like they have to give me the information or the things that they've learned, but Just finding that was really hard and that used to make me really frustrated. But what I learned was that I can't change other people or how they show up. But um, the more generous that I am with what I know and with my expertise and my knowledge towards other people, the more I'll attract those types of people who are also generous and are also open-handed in how they show up in the world. And so just focusing on that has brought some very incredible, generous, amazing people into my life who are mentors and supporters. And it's just so amazing to see that happen. So those are two of my biggest struggles going into entrepreneurship but those were kind of the things that I did to overcome them
0: man I just wrote down one of your lines there the more generous I am the more I'll attract those who are generous towards me that was so good and I find that to be so incredibly true in my own journey and I think like you said, radical generosity yields radical generosity. And so I found that to be the case in my own journey and I I really couldn't agree with you more. And I think you just gave our listeners such tangible tips of how to like invest and care for themselves so that they can kind of figure out those pain points and have some options of where they could start to kind of address those, whether it's going and working at a coffee shop or a place with people, if they need to be energized by people or inspired by people working, Or, you know, getting involved in a mastermind. I am a big fan of masterminds. I have met some of some incredible people through masterminds and it's just been the best investment I could have made in my, in continuing my education and staying supportive. So if you could offer any advice for our listeners as they're kind of getting started building their business, what would you say?
1: Okay, I think my favorite piece of advice to give people who are just starting out who reach out to me is the number one thing that you can do that will benefit your business time and time again, and will pay dividends in the long run, is to lean into your story. And I know that seems like so cliche, (laughs) and like what? (laughs) But the minute you start, and it's not As a brand and web designer, I can tell you it is not a brand. It is not a rebrand, a website, a fancy website that will help you reach the goals and the people that you want to serve. It is owning your story um, because really business is about just kind of connecting with people and being able. And if you look at business from a place of service where what we do is to serve people and to serve them really well with our gifts and our talents and the way we're able to connect with those people who are like, hey, yeah, I think I need you or I think I wanna work with you is to tell our story because that's kind of been this connector in all of history for all of us is these stories allow us to feel the same emotions and to relate to each other and to understand each other better. And I know so many of us feel like, Well, my story's not that exciting or that interesting. Or, like, if, like me, you had a pretty normal upbringing and you're like, "Uh, there's nothing exciting about my life, like, I didn't travel everywhere or whatever. Even in those like mundane uh, stories of our lives or exciting stories or whatever, or the hardships or the joyous moments, uh, those are the things that connect us to other people. And that's where we really are able to build those deeper relationships. That's really what branding is about. And from there, we can take that story and transform it into how we show up in our marketing, how we build out our branding, how we create our website, all of those things. And so I think the biggest thing is don't be afraid to lean into your story, into your gifts, to kind of be an outlier uh, and be different from everyone else. It's okay. Uh, That's where you'll find the most success and the people who will want to work with you, who want to follow what you're doing in your journey and will be those that, like those true fans forever and ever is when you kind of lean into that and start owning that and your gifts. I think that's like one of the biggest things you can do for your business that, like I said, will pay dividends in the long run.
0: Oh, girl, you could just, preach all day long on that. I just love your message. I love having you. Can you tell us how everyone can work with you? How they can hire you for divine services? I think your message is going to speak to so many people and your ability to build connectedness and to help people stand out. And so I have a feeling you're going to hear from some people in the Radiant Tribe. Where can they find you?
1: Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you so much. Um, Everyone can find me. I'm usually on Instagram at Heart and Vine Creative, and my website is heartandvinecreative.com. I can't wait to connect with, um, with some of you.
0: We are so thankful to have you on today, and we'll definitely have to have you back. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. BetterHelp.com slash save. Got it. As a pro, the last thing you need is to run out of what you need. And time spent waiting on supply runs is money right out of your pocket. The good news is the Home Depot can deliver straight to the job site. That keeps your crews on the job, not the road. And that saves you money, putting time back in your day and savings back where they belong. Delivery options, big, small, right to the job site, whenever you say. Visit homedepot.com slash delivery. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.